Dave's Psych Lectures, part of the Thunderbird 6 Podcasting Network. Listen, feel, absorb, relax. All right, so we're talking about um, mating systems and we're talking about extra pair populations. And this is the notion, this basically is cheating on your spouse, we would call that in a, in a human. Um, I mentioned it happens a lot in many different birds, but most, many, many birds are monogamous and truly monogamous. They pair bond for life. They have one partner forever. Okay, unlike humans, which really were polygamous. Basically, and again, remember, we're just defining that as the variance in number of copulation, the number of partners uh, being different between the two sexes. Okay? Now, how does that happen again in humans? Well, basically, because most people are with one person at a time, but men are with more people in their lifetime than women are on average. Uh, and though it's not that different, but the variance is quite a bit different. And that's what you look at. And of course, we know this happens in humans as well, uh, as well as, say, birds. There's also the notion then of uh, forced copulations, or as we call it with humans, rape. Uh, and this we know happens in other animals, not just us. This is not a solely human thing. Um, this also happens in, like I said, ducks. Uh, you hear a lot of it there. Uh, also, a lot of insects. The interesting thing here is that. Uh, among sort of social scientists, it's often viewed as simply a matter of an expression of power of some sort. Which, which you know, I'm not saying it's not there. Um, the idea there, though, is that the sort of sexual aspect of it is actually removed, and it's just an expression of uh, a man's power over a woman. And I don't understand why you would take that out, the sexual aspect. Uh, it, it, part of the behavior is actually, you know, what call it from the perspective of this horse, maybe. Um, and if you look at, the, when should this be done? When is it a good strategy? I'm not saying a moral one, I'm saying a good strategy. If you can't get a mate, and it's your only chance, and when you take a look at rapists, they tend to be of lower socioeconomic status, they have very little success uh, finding partners, etc. Again, I'm not, I'm not saying it's a good strategy morally. I'm saying it's, if we look at it in the cold light of evolution, it's a sensible mating strategy. Now that said, we typically uh, you don't want the kid, but of course it works a little bit differently in animals. Like once you've got uh, so, so, you know, once you've had, uh, had young but it'll take care of it. I have seen some data suggesting that the mothers pay less attention to the to these uh, young than they do to they come from extra parent population, but force sort of force population than they do for uh, others. For their the ones they've had with their monogamous partner. Nonetheless, uh, which which really shouldn't surprise us in some respects, uh, that may be because of the male that's around not wanting to provide resources for, the, for that young. Indeed, the male may end up killing the kid. And I say kid, because I'm talking a little bird here. 
Because typically, females make the choice, right? The investment in young that females make in many animals is much higher than the investment that males make. The investment that females make isn't just a physiological one. And for males, it can be. I'm not saying it should be, but it can be a purely physiological just sperm. With the female, let's say it's a duck, she's got to sit on the egg. She's got to bring it some food, etc. With humans, of course, or, or other, a lot of other mammals, you've got the thing growing inside of you, and then you've got to nurse it, right? And again, with humans, it's quite a long period until we get independence. Um, we can get sperm competition within the female, and we talked about this, uh, the idea of sperm wars. <clears throat> I talked about that last time. In a lot of insects, we have multiple copulations where one male, many males will come after a female, perhaps. What the male will often do is put in what's called a sperm plug. So not only does he inseminate the female, he also inserts basically something like a wax plug inside of her so the rest, somebody else's sperm can't get in. No, that's not ducks. That's that's in uh, insects. This time. Um, you also the interesting thing is here that when you look at when there's more sperm competition, we would expect physiologically some differences because if, if you have this kind of thing where you've got a lot of different pairings, you're going to get a lot more sperm having to be produced. And when you take a look within. Groups, so sort of within, say, primates, or within, so we're looking at sort of within families or superfamilies. When you look within those, and you see ones where there is sperm competition and when there isn't, the males tend to have bigger testicles than you would expect by chance if there is sperm competition, which makes some sense because they're devoting more time, more physiological resources to making sperm. So you see bigger uh, nuts. <laughs> in uh, gorillas than you would expect by chance. There's a lot of sperm competition there. Than you would expect uh, due to their body weight. Alright. They can flip this on its head. The most common, as I said, by far the most common time, uh, type rather, of mating system is polygamy the animal kingdom, but you do have polyandry, and that's what's one female and many males. So the harem, in this case, is a bunch of males, not a bunch of females. This is a vanishingly rare thing, but it does happen. Um, this usually happens when there's complete sexual reversal. So, it's not just that the the mating system works this way, it seems that the mating system itself causes changes in behavior and morphology. Seahorses uh, show this, where seahorse, where the male actually carries the fertilized eggs. So what happens is, the male fertilizes the female's eggs, and then they are deposited in a pouch in the male, and he's basically pregnant. Now it is external fertilization and all this stuff, so it's, 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 it's they're still basically fish some respects, right? But the male is carrying these, the young.
Um, spotted sandpipers are a kind of bird that show this as well. We get complete sexual reversal. In other words, it's not just that they carry the young. It's also that any parental care is done by the male, not the female. Okay? This is what happens, for example, in both of these species here. Uh, it also happens in hyenas, when I think about a, 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 a mammal, for example. Spotted sandpiper. It's kind of a um, so you get this. Uh, hyenas are very strange animals. You, you can get things like sexual reversal. The females in these species tend to be more aggressive than the males. So everything that we think of as being male traits in the animal kingdom completely flips around. And I don't know what comes first. Is it the polyandry that comes first, or is it that the sexual reversal? My guess is the polyandry. Because if you're going to use this kind of mating system, you're going to have to do male defense polyandry, just like female defense polygamy. So you're going to have to defend all your harem of males. Right? You're going to be setting up the territory. All this kind of thing. So everything now comes together that way. So we get complete sexual reversal. Usually. You usually don't just get uh, differences in mating system and nothing else. I mean, with hyenas, in fact, we know that females have more testosterone in them than males. So there's even a, a hormonal thing that's happening. You probably know that uh, in well, mammals, so think about us, when a, when a, when a, a fetus when it's undifferentiated, it's, it doesn't have male or female parts yet, even though it's already a male or a female. The release of testosterone um, causes the opening to close up, right? And causes what would what a, what, what a female become a clitoris and a male becomes a penis, causes that to enlarge the female penis, right? So you know what happens it actually in... Uh, and actually, if you look at it, by the way, if you look at a baby boy... Human, like when they're just born, you can actually see the seam in their scrotum where the, the, the it's called the malarian duct, I think, where that's closed up. Whereas for a woman, that would be a uh, vaginal opening. These are the kind of things, see, so maybe you didn't want to know that, but now when you have a baby and it's a male, you look at all the little seam, <laughs> right? Because it just is closed up. Okay? Dave? Yeah. It's a word with, like, say, like hyenas, right? Yeah. So, like, if the, the female gives birth, though, right, yeah, the sure. male take after the, the young. Yeah. But, like, giving birth and being pregnant kind of puts you out of commission, right? So isn't that, yeah. like, kind of probably, like, why guys are usually, like, the aggressive ones who don't care to take care of Well, I mean, I think this, and again, don't, please don't take this the wrong way, but it, it seems like the natural state of things is the thing that's going to be, especially in something with internal fertilization gestation, like a, a mammal, not so much in a bird or a fish, necessarily, but in a mammal, it makes complete sense for the males to be more aggressive, because there is a time, as you said, where the females are at a disadvantage. Um, and also, if they do get in a fight, they're not... The fact that they're carrying what's inside them that's going to be passing on their genes is going to... You know, that's more of a threat to them. Yeah. This is why you would have to have complete reversal, so you're going to end up with the females, say, in hyenas, actually having more testosterone than the males and being more aggressive, because the only way they're going to be able to survive individuals and then pass their genes on is that they have to be really aggressive 
uh, if they're going to do this. They couldn't be the regular... I'm not going to stop qualifying things and say don't take this the wrong way. You all know what I mean. You can't be the regular, much more passive female that's pregnant. Because somebody will kill you. Right? So if you're going to have that kind of sexual reversal, you go all the way. And in fact, if you look at it, the reason I brought up the idea of the closing of the, of, of the opening and the enlargement of what becomes a clitoris in a female or a penis in a male is if you look at the clitoris of a female hyena, which is something I don't think any of us really want to do, um, you end up actually seeing something that looks a lot like a penis. Like, the females look more male, typically, than the males do. The females are bigger than the males. And this is, again, when you take a look, one of the ways you can often, very often, I talk about morphology, you can often spot a polygamous species is if you see sex differences in how the animals look. Right? If you look at ducks, for example, female ducks are brown. Right? They want to, the, the idea here is they, they fit in with the background. Males are brightly colored. They're green. They got a white band around here. And then, you know, um, you look at the difference between females and males and humans. Um, no matter what anybody tells you, you're not going to get females as humans as tall as male humans on average, or as big and strong. On average, yes, I know there are women that are stronger than men, but on average, right? So if you look at that, I mean, we would expect these kind of differences. Where when you look at species that are that are monogamous, like bonobos, which are pygmy, pygmy chimpanzees, they used to be called. They're monogamous. They're also just sex machines. All they do is have sex. Even the young, like the the, the, the little kids, have sex play. Their play is all sex. Everything's sex. That's all they do. Humans, you know. There's a book out called The Bonobo Handshake. It's actually a, uh, a book about um, bonobo, their, their, their society, which is all about sex. And it says, you know, when humans meet, they might shake hands or hug. When bonobos meet, uh, they have sex. And there's a like, male, male, female, 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 male, group, the whole thing. But they do pair bond. And we don't have polygamy because the, number, the, the variance, or polyandry because the variance is the same in males and females. So you get a lot of uh, all kinds of sex going on. And you'll have kids, but the variance is the same. So it's considered monogamy. And you can't tell a male from a female phenomenon. Uh, uh, Where a chimp, for example, you can't. Males are bigger, they have bigger teeth, they're more aggressive, etc. In humans, the males are more aggressive, they're bigger, etc. And it all kind of hangs together. So with the female hyenas, they have to go the other way. If they didn't, there'd be no way uh, that this polyandrous uh, system could probably work very well. And it's the same thing with seahorses as well. I don't know about uh, sandpipers, to be honest with you. Uh, female seahorses are bigger than male seahorses. So it's, it's interesting stuff. And I mean, typically, when you think about it, um, well, I'll save that point. Uh, other questions about polyandry and the sort of sexual reverse of stuff? Um, do they have the same potential that males do to, in theory, as many, as many other um, options as they make? No, see, that's the thing, and this is one of the reasons it makes all, one of the reasons polyandry should be very rare, is that once you're pregnant, you're pregnant. Yeah. Right? So you think about a hyena, or even a, a seahorse, um, or a, a sandpiper, uh, you know, the limit there is caused by the gamete message. Like, you only have so many, and you make one, and once you're pregnant, basically, you can't be pregnant anymore. You've got to wait until that kid comes out, or wait until it hatches, or whatever. This is one of the things that I would imagine makes polyandry just so rare, is that how is it going to be the case that this will work? 
And the only way it's going to work is if with all these other, other adaptations. Right? Why would it show up? I, I don't actually know. It just seems so completely ass backwards. Because of the idea that, you know, like you said, once, especially in a mammal, once you're pregnant, you can't get pregnant again. You know, you can't be a little bit pregnant. So once they lay eggs with another seahorse, then even though they might mate with other ones, it's not good. Uh, basically, just like most fish, uh, what ends up happening here, most, you know, life in general, you have the eggs, you mate, and you're done. For the season. So yeah, I mean, this is one of the reasons explaining that it should be exceedingly rare. Because the female strategy, think about the gamete size, the female strategy is make some really big ones. The number of men. The male strategy is make a bazillion little fast guys. Right? So it actually all hangs together with the gamete size. I mean, the male strategy is live, uh, you know, Live fast, die young, and leave a good-looking corpse. You know, I mean, that's, that's in essence, the, the, the male strategy all over the place. The female strategy is be careful. Make the choices. You know, you can look at, there's this amazing data when you look at uh, promiscuity in humans. It's fascinating. And on young people, so people your age, on, on, on university campuses, David Buss did a study where he, who's a big evolutionary psychology guy, and he actually had young women and young men go up to other single people. At, you know, campus, bars just off campus, at frat parties, these kind of things. And they would ask a series of questions. The first question was, you know, what's your name? Everybody answers that, both sexes. That's 100% no problem. Uh, can I buy you a drink? Well, they're at a party, sure, I'll just buy you a drink. So pretty much everybody says yes to that. There's no difference between males and females. Can I get your phone number? Eh, it gets less and less, but it's pretty much the same on males and females. It's like most people, yeah, sure, what the hell? You know, you need somebody new, I'd be like, oh, maybe you'll be interesting to hang out with. Um, would you like to go out with me? Even is pretty much the same. When the question is, want to go have sex? No females say yes to a man. No female humans. So no women say yes. 68% of males go, okay. Because guys are pigs. Right? The interesting thing here is, not so much, now that is interesting and I think probably not surprising to anyone. The really cool thing is that that means what? 32% of men said, uh, no. Uh, that's a little bit much, sorry. And then all like, I can't believe I said no. <laughs> if these were deer, <laughs> All the men say yes. So it's interesting that among humans, we still make that decision. It's still skewed such that males are much more promiscuous than females. But guys actually do say no. In the animal kingdom, a male's never going to say no. It's like, oh, mating opportunity. Outstanding. So there is something special about us. Right? There's something different about us. Nonetheless, it's striking that no women said yes to a random guy saying, want to have sex. Whereas more than two-thirds of young men, when asked by a woman, want to have sex, they go, yeah, sure. I got a class now, what the hell with it? Right? So, there's something special about us. Just another plug for psychology 3916, I think it will be called Human Evolutionary Psychology, next year.
assuming it passes on Friday and Sunday. I don't see why it wouldn't. You know, these things usually go. Would somebody like to speak to this? And I say, well, I'm the department chair. Yeah, it's probably, uh, uh, it's one of them things that's really popular now. And a very special topic, of course, a couple times. And the uh, department thinks it's good. And we don't need to hire anybody else to do it. Then they have a vote and everybody says yes. I've never seen a no. Some conclusions about meeting systems. Um, there are a, bit, a lot of theories out there. We look at female defense polygamy. We look at polygamy threshold. They aren't competing when you think about this. They aren't competing um, explanations. Okay, I keep that in mind. That they can all be true. Uh, polygamy is by far the most common mating system among animals. Um, in fact, monogamy is pretty rare. Polyandry is vanishingly rare. But it happens. And when you think about this, as I was saying before, it actually correlates nicely with the gamete size. Because if you're making big gametes, the physiological investment is big, and the, usually the parental care investment is going to be bigger for the woman who makes the bigger gametes, and that's going to be the female. It's a smaller physiological investment. Well, what's the strategy there? The better strategy in a lot of respects is mate with anything that moves. And of course, the males never know, really, if they, when we look at parental care, the males don't know if it's their young. The females are always, especially with internal fertilization and gestation, are always sure. The females always this again explains where a male might think about this. The male doesn't know if that's his kid or not. He's pretty sure. But he doesn't know. So why not have a few females just to even, you know, up by chances of making sure that I'm passing on my genes and not helping to pass on uh, Jordan's genes. And I get it. Pick on Jordan because he's the only other guy in the room. Interestingly, if you look at human data, you look at um, and you would think, well, in humans, fascinating stuff. You take a look at what newborns, uh, what parents say about newborn babies. When it's the parents of the father seeing their grandchild for the first time, half the time they say the kid looks like the father, and half the time they say the kid looks like the mother, which frankly is probably a little more accurate. It's probably accurate, right? Oh, look, it's got your eyes, it's got your nose, whatever. So they're 50 50. The parents of the mother, 80% of the time, say it looks like the father. You think, why would that be? Well, I'm not saying that the parents of the, of the, of the father, uh, sorry, of the mother are doing this consciously. But wouldn't it be a really good strategy to convince this man, even if it's not his kid, that it is his kid and she raised it? And I don't, and you think, well, how would that be the case? Give me another explanation than why we would get data like that in humans. I don't have one. And it's not like if you asked the, the parents, the grandparents, are you, are you sure it's your, your, your son's child? I mean, everybody's going to guess. Most everyone. 
But it's interesting, 80% of the time, the father goes, the, the, the parents of the mother say, Oh yeah, it looks like Steve! Lot like Steve! Where do you actually start? Don't babies always kind of look like the dad when they come home, though? I think that's you. Like, they look more like the dad, so that's... <coughs> this may be true. This wouldn't surprise me. As a strategy for the baby to get the father to, to look after him, mm-hmm. yeah, that wouldn't surprise me in the least. That, that was true. I mean, I know that... I mean, it's read that stuff, that wouldn't surprise me. We also know, for example, that um, having big eyes and a great big head, we, for some reason, find that cute. Take a look. Without, throughout the animal kingdom... Uh, especially think about any mammal. Babies are cute. They got great big eyes. There's no, there's no big sloping nose. Even among, if you take a look at a baby chimp, it doesn't have that great big sort of snout thing. Chimps have almost got a flat face. It's all so cute. Now you take a look, and for some reason, there's some. What that does this is a strategy on behalf of young, the young use. We all use it too because we all look like that to get parents to love them and take care of them and protect them. Now take a look, for example, at a female human, so a woman versus a man. Women look more childlike than men. Women's eyes are bigger than men's eyes. Women don't have hair on their faces. They look young. Which is a way to trick men into taking care of women. This is a theory.
Copyright share like 2.5 Canada. Uh, feel free to redistribute the information as you see fit, but please don't make any money out of it. And if you do, you got to tell me because I'm reserving that right, giving up all the other ones, including uh, mash it up any way you want. Okay. Um, also, of course, give me attribution. If you want to get a hold of me, my email address is dave.broadbeck, B-R-O-D-B-E-C-K, at algomau.ca. My website is people.auc.ca slash broadbeck slash blog. Uh, most of the music, uh, all the music's Podsafe, and most of it comes from GarageBand.com or the Podsafe Music Network. See you next time.